0: Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. You have your Bibles. Find Philippians chapter number one. You know, happiness is often one of those things that we sort of look for. It's, it might be described as getting what you think you want, you know. And happiness can be elusive because a lot of times you'll pursue something thinking it'll make you happy only to arrive and find out that wasn't the ticket at all. Uh, there are numerous stories about professional athletes who in the pursuit of, of their goals, their dreams to arrive there and on the very night they arrive to sort of say, well, is that all there is? And there's been a great many business people who said, if we could just do this so I could just earn this much money, then I'd be happy. There's been a great many people who looked at their families and said, if we could just get our family in this position, then we'd be happy. So sometimes the pursuit of happiness is a tough venture. What Christians are called to is the reception of joy. Notice the difference in that. The pursuit of happiness feels like something you go after. The reception of joy feels like something you receive. I love the story in the Bible where the the person found a treasure in a field. And it says, and for joy, for excitement, they went and sold everything they had so that they could buy that field. There was something that was better than everything they had. I contend to you that something is Jesus. Come on, say amen, church. I know it's early, right? And sometimes you got to preach to your own heart. you got to get your own heart engaged so that you'll get your your head engaged. Amen? Amen? That person in that parable found something that says, Man, this is worth more than everything I've ever had, everything that I currently own. And no matter what it takes, I'm going to get this. I believe when we read Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, we find a man who has found joy in Jesus. He's received it. It wasn't what he was pursuing as much as what he, pers- what he received. Now, think about, to set some context, think about how Paul came into the faith. Now, this guy grew up in the Scriptures, the Old Testament Scripture. He was a, he was a Jew of Jews, or he described himself as a Hebrew of Hebrews. Of the tribe of, of Judah. I mean, this this, this, uh, this guy had a pedigree that was that was unmistakable. He had the right education, the right connections. He was a Roman citizen, so he had rights abounding in his government. He had genealogical and religious pedigree out the window, right? But he says, "I counted." It's strong language, even in English. It's strong language. He says, "I counted all of that as." Anybody know the word he uses? Dung. That's strong language, isn't it? Now, you, you know, you say good for Paul, but what, what, if, you, what if you say, uh, I, I count all my family heritage. I count my college degree. I count the place I come from, the things I own. I count all the years I've worked at my job, all the years I've, I've striven in my community. I say all of that is about the same worth as a cow patty. Now, Paul didn't say it was worthless. What he said it was, it was dung in comparison to knowing the power that's able to raise from the dead. All of it means nothing in comparison. Uh, You know, think about this. this. I brought this up last week. You know, like he says sheep have value but your life are more valuable than sheep birds have value but your life is more valuable than birds Paul's saying all that stuff in comparison to knowing Jesus might as well be a cow patty and I think if we're ever going to discover or receive the joy that God offers we've got to get to that position where we see who he is and what he offers is just flat out better than all of this it's just better and you remember, Paul didn't get that because he learned it. He learned contentment, but he never learned salvation. God knocked him down in the road. <laughs> and he, he had one of them, what we call, come to Jesus moments, right? Any of y'all ever got a come to Jesus moment from one of your parents? Yes. Uh, my, my grandma even told me, she had a knuckle that was as hard as steel. She says, I'm going to bring you to Jesus. And she would be shaking that knuckle at me. And I'd say, I don't know if he's in your knuckle, but don't, don't introduce him to me no more. Well, he got to come to Jesus meeting and it changed his life. God blinded him so that he could teach him to see. He blinded him from the pursuit, the pursuit of success so that he could become open to the reception of joy. So it's no wonder when we see Paul here writing this letter to the church at Philippi, he's a man chained to, chained to a Roman centurion 24 hours a day. They took six-hour ships, 24 hours a day, he's chained to another person, but his joy is unchained. You know, anybody remember ever getting one of those postcards in the mail from somebody and it says, wish you were here, Right? Uh, I saw uh, Carol Clayton uh, Friday or Thursday, and he said uh, they were going to Cape Hatteras this weekend, and I just said, oh, boy, suffering for Jesus, aren't you? Just suffering. Uh, Stacy, I think I saw y'all at White Lake yesterday, right? Was it? Oh, I knew somebody was there. I just said, oh, look at them suffering for Jesus. <laughs> I hadn't got a postcard yet. Nobody said, wish you were here. No, you guys were at the lake, Heiko Lake, right, suffering for Jesus. You didn't send me a postcard. Wish you were here, right? Paul is sitting in prison, writing, basically saying, wish you were here. And if you don't get that context this morning, you'll start to say, but Tim, you don't understand my situation. Here's a man sitting in prison, basically writing, wish you were here. And it's not that I wish you were chained to this guy. It's not that. It's not I wish you were awaiting trial. What he's saying is i wish you had the joy of jesus no matter where you are amen and i believe that's what god wants for your church he wants you to have the joy of jesus is your job challenging right now i still want you to have the joy of jesus is uh is your family life a challenge right now still want you to have the joy of jesus are you limping around like steve evans with a bad knee uh, laying in the hospital like willie Uh, you know, having a hard time breathing, still wants you to have the joy of Jesus. Amen? Uh, Are you going through a tough time with your adult children? God still wants you to have, somebody grunted back here. That's one of them hillbilly testimonies right there. Mmm. The Father still wants you to have the joy of the Lord. Come on church, say amen. Amen. Anybody in here is is just struggling getting older. Anybody? Amen. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> could we bring a slip and slide for them to get out the choir law with I, I don't think this crowd's gonna make it man right right anybody got any uncertainties in your life anybody god still wants you to have the joy of jesus so in your circumstances this morning i, I want to set the stage here right in your circumstances no matter what they are god wants you to have the joy of jesus So when Paul would write, wish you were here, you know, if he was writing a postcard, it would be right here. Wish you were here. Let's look at the scriptures this morning. Philippians chapter number one, beginning at verse number 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Stop. Where is he, church? Where is Paul sitting right now? He's been locked up in Caesarea for two years before he ever gets to Rome. He's been on this trail for a while. And what does he say? I want you to know. He's he's making a summation of every beating, every rejection, every imprisonment, his current conditions. He said, I want you all to know. Don't lose your perspective. I want you to know. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Father, as we open your word, open our minds and give us understandings. God, open our hearts and give us fresh affections for Jesus God, restore to us the joy of our salvation. Bring many of us to the remembrance of what it was like to be set free in Jesus. And bring many of us to the place where that freedom gives us joy and it gives us purpose and it gives us power as we live out this Christian life in this very broken world. Help us now, God, not just to endure Tim's sermon, but to hear hear the word of the Lord as oracles from God. Help us now, God. In Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Now, when Paul wrote this letter, his friends needed to know some things. I think, firstly, because they really, truly did care about Paul, they wanted to know that he was okay. They wanted to know, Paul, how are you doing? And they really wanted to know that. So he wrote this letter, and he didn't just say, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm getting by. You know how it is. He said, man... This message is for the advance of the gospel. He kind of went like, woo! He turned into Ric Flair on a man. He just said, yeah, I'm alright. I'm more than all right. To beat a man, you gotta beat the man, and they ain't beat me yet. So they needed to know their friend was okay. And I think, secondly, I think Paul wrote this letter to give them perspective. 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 I was talking to a guy yesterday, a young man there's a young man he's like uh uh 40 years old and he told me uh, uh 42 or something like that I say I was young because that ain't much younger than me you know and he says if I could just make it to retirement I said huh well, what's what, what's that number for you he said seven years seven years if I could just make it to retirement I said what about the judgment seat he said huh And my wife was with me. I I pulled him to the side. where I I didn't want to embarrass him in front of other people. I pulled him off to the side and had a conversation. I said, Brother, you got a short-lived perspective. What's going to happen at the end of retirement? See, in his mind, he was in the pursuit of happiness. And he has tied that goal to retirement. Right? Somebody in this room has done that. You just thought, if I could get away from this workplace, I'll be okay. And you got away from that workplace, and you still messed up. We often lose our perspective. And I started telling that brother man, you got a short-sighted view of life if you're not juxtaposed in the very moment you're in against all the reality of heaven. Cause that's a believer's end. And he had told me he was a believer. I said, Your goal isn't to get happy here, to get fat, dumb, and happy and up under the comfortable of a bed in a house that's burning down. See, you have something bigger. You need the joy of Jesus. And the guy wound up, you know, he, he shared some things with me. And when it was over, he even came back like an hour later. You remember, he said, just thank you for taking time to talk to me. It, it, was, it was not about what I said. I, I saw the Holy Spirit was restoring his perspective. in the Baptist Church, I pray that as Paul is writing to these Philippians to comfort them about who he is and that he's okay. As Paul is writing to these Philippians to say, let me restore, renew. Let me set your perspective. I pray your perspective Is renewed as well. I have a few questions and then some answers this morning. My questions are these. How can I be set free from the petty pursuit of my own comfort and devote my life to a cause bigger than I am? How can I devote myself to the cause of Jesus Christ? Secondly, how can I be set free from the fear of what others may say about me, think about me, and do to me as I live wide open for the King? How can I be set free? Thirdly, how can I be set free from a competitive attitude that hinders my joy and receive an attitude that increases my joy? And fourthly, can what work for Paul work for me? Isn't this just some old book? Isn't this just some old book? Isn't this just something that happened that happened to someone else sometime else? Well, in at Southeastern where they taught me Greek, I learned a Greek word for that sort of thinking. <laughs> this is relevant today. Amen. This word isn't just from Paul, it's from God. Amen. And it wasn't just to the Philippians, it's to Teresa. Amen. 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 We could read this as a letter to the church at Teresa. <coughs> this is relevant, y'all. It's alive. The word... <clears throat> I'm going to go really, really deep on y'all. See if you can hang this. God is truth and God is eternal. Tell your neighbor, God is truth. God God is is truth. Tell your neighbor, God is eternal. God God is is eternal. eternal. You think about what, whatever, whatever that has ever been said from God, whatever has been issued from God has always been and will always be. You see, so when you tap into that message, you're tapping into something that is ancient and relevant and eternal. Amen. So when you tap into the truth of God, you're tapping into something that always has been. When we get the word, when the word comes to us and when the truth of God, when the reality of God comes to us, you're getting something that is timeless and relevant in time. So can this work for you? Yes. Why am I building that case? Because some of you still don't believe it. And some of you be tempted to think, "Good sermon preacher," rather than "Great marching orders, God." Amen. And somebody will shake my hand and say, "Good sermon preacher." And I'd rather you shake my hand and say, "Good sermon, or good, good marching orders from the Lord." It's a radically different way of thinking. You ready? You ready? Four things. Number one, joy can be found in advancing the gospel. In every circumstance of life, joy can be found in advancing the gospel in every circumstance of life. Let me see if I can put this as simple as I possibly can. The apostle Paul had made the gospel his mission and everywhere that he was able to share the gospel. He was doing his mission, so he wasn't out at the riverside. He wasn't out in the in in, the, in uh, one of the synagogues. He wasn't out in the marketplace. He wasn't over in Athens on the on the hilltop with the academic folks. He was chained to a centurion guard. But his goal was sharing Jesus so no matter where he was, he could share Jesus. Some of y'all right now are stuck, or at least you feel stuck in circumstances that don't let you pursue your, your, your dream. But are you stuck in a circumstance that stops you from sharing the gospel? Maybe you've got your eyes set on the wrong prize. Maybe you're pursuing happiness rather than receiving joy. And I believe that the church in America, inundated, inundated, the church in America, inundated with the possibilities for comfort and leisure and pleasure and fun, we keep looking for that next thing that's gonna put the piece of puzzle in us when the only thing that is going to fulfill us is the Lord Jesus. And the only thing that is gonna give us eternal, always, always present and powerful purpose. Is to share the gospel of Jesus. Amen. Even over in the book of First Peter, he basically said, if you'll allow me a paraphrase, he says, you know, don't go out here getting in trouble and messing up your testimony. If you're gonna get in trouble, get in trouble for the gospel. Now I used to have that first part down pat. I've done all sorts of things, names in the paper every time you turn around and I always used to think, you know, like uh, if you're going to put my name in the paper for for getting a DUI, you ought to put my name in the paper when I hadn't had one in 20 years. Report. Tim hasn't been in trouble for 20 years. So I know what it's like to get in trouble for things I deserve. Anybody else know what that's like? When's the last time you've been in trouble for being good? I tell this story. It comes up. I haven't been in trouble for doing good much. But I'll never forget, they were opening the warehouse. We, we were starting the warehouse, and, and somebody wanted to run a story on it. I didn't call the newspaper. They called us, come and took a picture. And the picture behind us, we were obviously erecting a wall uh, inside the warehouse. Somebody didn't see that. Every sort of building inspector and fire code on the face of the planet was over there the next day. Ran anything on Saturday. It was on Monday. And the uh, only, only thing I was mad about was they was bothering me from working. I had work to do. Right. I wasn't mad. And somebody says, you know, doesn't this make you mad? I said, oh, no, man. Oh, no, man. Somebody woke the devil up. And now the devil's awake. I'm like, hey. <laughs> right. Get in trouble for doing good. Paul is not even in trouble for doing good. Paul says, here's my circumstances. God is sovereign. I'm right where God wants me. If you want to see it as I was doing the right thing and I'm in trouble anyway, you can see it like this. Here's the truth. Nobody beats God and God's got me chained right where God wants me to be. Amen. Some of us are looking at our circumstances and we're blaming this and blaming that and blaming this person, that person, this thing that happened, that thing that happened. Some of us spend our whole days hating ourselves for what's happened. Maybe you're right where you need to be for God to use you with the people right around you. Paul actually says this, this, if you look down, we're not going to get into it today, but down in verse 25, you know, he says, uh, convinced of this, I know I will remain and continue with this. Check this out for your progress and joy in the faith. He says, man, I'm locked up here and it's, it's good. It's good for the gospel. It's not bad for me. And it's going to be for your progress. It's going to be for your progress. That's a bold statement. I believe Paul has joy because his joy is in Jesus, and nobody has been able to take Jesus from him. His purpose is in the gospel, and nobody's been able to stop him from sharing the gospel. I honestly believe if they cut Paul's tongue out, he would have scratched a cross on the wall. That's purpose, man. Will it work in your life? It will never work if you don't try it. If you don't look at your circumstances and say, I'm going to keep trucking for Jesus. I was working at Fleetwood, uh, not Fleetwood, oh uh, man, Copper Tube Place. I forget the name of it right now. It'll come to me. It don't matter. And I shared a track with one of my coworkers. Coworkers turned me in. And- Apparently, the, the people above me did a little investigation, find out I've been witnessing to people handing out eternal life tracks and all this stuff. And they called me in the office, office and said, If you don't stop sharing Jesus, you're going to get fired. And, and I just said, Warm up a termination papers, boys. It was four guys in front of me. I looked, and in the sovereignty of God, I had four eternal life tracks stuck in my pocket. I reached out and handed each one on one. I said, Hey, I'm off till Monday. Y'all let me know if I still got a job. Now,. It, looking back it was a hair arrogant but you know I didn't mean it that way I didn't mean it that way I was just like I'm not gonna let y'all not gonna make me stop sharing Jesus Amen. so what's wrong with the church in a lot of cases is we keep pursuing the American dream rather than receiving kingdom joy Amen. and we keep getting in the levels in the American dream and it just ain't satisfying I was talking to a couple the other day they got an in-ground heated pool and a uh, a jacuzzi and and they got uh, uh, two kinds of motorcycles for riding around looking cool and two kinds of motorcycles for long road trips. They got a sports car. they it's Two of them. They live in a huge home. Huge home. They got uh, they just bought them a motorhome. They're going to start ripping and roaring around. They got a pool table down in their basement. I mean they, they were just telling me all this stuff and they ain't got a lick of joy in them. I know it's bad English but it's great southern. They ain't got a lick of joy in them. They've accomplished, 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 but they are just sick with joylessness. And I think when as things unfold, they will enjoy. Y'all hear me? They will enjoy that camper. Amen? Right? Anybody here got one? They're scared to tell me. You think I'm going to get you, don't you? Anybody out here got one? Amen? Somebody's testified. You will enjoy it. But if it's the source of your joy, the first time it breaks down, it's going to make you cuss. But if the source of your joy is bigger than that, when it breaks down, you go, it broke down. Do y'all, am I getting anywhere this morning? Yeah. Yeah. Anybody here got a, 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 a fixed up old car? You will enjoy it. But if something happens to it, if it's the source of your joy, your joy is crushed. See, walking around out in public was not Paul's source of joy. Jesus was his source of joy. So when they took walking around in public from him, they couldn't take his source of joy. Am I getting anywhere with anybody? Yes, Some folks in here love your image. You know, and as long as people feel good about you, you feel good. But the moment somebody comes against you, your world crashes because it's the source of your joy. I believe that we can advance the gospel in every circumstance of life. And I believe Jesus, being our source of joy, will, will sustain us when the junk around us is taken away from us. Secondly, secondly, when we do this, when we do this, others find encouragement, others find courage, and others take their cue from us. Now I, I I put this in my notes, and so somebody's just gonna have to get over it. Look at your neighbor, and say get over, it. get over it. Now look back at Stacy Davis and tell her to get over it. it. Stacy, I, I I really thought you were out of town. I, I crossed it up. I thought Jenny and was a heico, so I was gonna talk about you while you weren't here. <laughs> now now. It's OK. This is a metaphor. This is a symbol. This is an illustration. It's OK that I don't get it. Right. It's OK. But y'all, y'all just watch that sister. Right. She's out here jumping around and screaming and and people are sweating. You know, usually when that happens to me, something's on fire. <laughs> and then you'll see so many people where will be encouraged by her. So many people follow her lead. Um, on uh, Resurrection Sunday morning we sat down at Oak Grove and I I saw her and I said hey I want you to tell me what you said at yesterday's uh, exercise session and uh, she shared her heart she shared her heart about the Lord and she actually says well it wasn't much but it didn't need to be much Stacy when the Holy Spirit got a hold to it it just needed to be a seed of faithfulness and then God makes a garden of fruit right am I right And so, here's the part I don't confess. You can jump around all you want. I'm probably going to go, get it, girl. (laughs) But I was made really curious. You know, we, we obviously share a lot of the same Facebook friends. When whatever you said had encouraged a ton of women. Right, it had encouraged them, and you had inspired them, and 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 it was more. If anybody thinks I'm making light of her, you don't know my sense of humor. It was more than the exercise. It was way more than the exercise. It was even more than the momentary empowerment. It was saying like, "Hey, life is about a lot of uh, a lot of stuff way more important than what we're worried about. Let's get focused on that." (laughs) Stacy, I really didn't think he's gonna be here. Thank you, thank you for your example. Right, thank you for your example. We miss a lot of times that when we have joy and when we have focus and when we have purpose, when everything around us looks like we should. When you find a, a flower growing in the middle of a cow and you go, Well, look at that. <laughs> when we see that, it encourages others, it gives others courage, it gives them their cue to get moving. Look at the scripture. Verse 13 says, so has become known, right? God is advancing the gospel while the man's in change. Verse 14, and most of the brothers haven't become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment. What? This past week, I think it was Monday night, we went, went to an event at PCC. Was it Monday night honey? And uh, people were winning awards, right? It was pretty cool. It really was. Um, uh, uh, Allison and Patty got up and gave some awards. Some people you all know and probably other people you know got up and gave all these awards. And you know what I noticed? They got to the adult learning section of the award giving. Most of them had been for college and trades, right? This basically was for people who had gone back to high school and hadn't give up. Life had thrown them a curveball. Maybe they threw themselves a curve- curveball. Who knows? I don't know their stories. But people, I was one of them applauded the loudest when those adult high school people were given awards. You know why? Because all of us know what it's like to give up, to quit, to get knocked down, and we love it when we see other people not quitting. We love it. You know, my daughter won some award, and I literally, I'm proud of it. I really am, but I was like, this is Golf Channel, Tiger Woods. Good shot, buddy. And this girl got up, and you know, highest GPA for, for high school graduate. I was like, Because I was like, man, most of the people in my family didn't graduate high school and never went back. I get how hard it is to go back and to try. When somebody's doing something, when all the evidence says you should quit, it really inspires you. Those young people, younger than me people, they really inspired me, right? Look at Paul in jail. He says, God has given people boldness because I'm in prison. If some of us at Teresa Baptist Church would get going in the gospel, it's no telling who you'll encourage in the process. You say, I'm poor. I don't have time. I'm tired. My body's broke down. I'm old. I'm young. I'm middle-aged. Whatever thing we throw up, right? If you'll just say, right where I am, with whatever I'm facing, I'm going to get about the business of enjoying Jesus and sharing the gospel. You will encourage others to do the same. You will encourage others to do the same. Not only that, there's this incredible surprise to me. If you read this passage, Paul even finds a way to rejoice in his rival's success. To rejoice in his rival's success. Now, churches are competitive. Let's don't pretend like they're not. Right? They are. Somebody leaves your church and goes to this church, or you hear about a church growing, church members are often, we'll do one of two things. We'll start to disdain their growth, or we'll start trying to figure out what they are doing. So, Paul's locked to a centurion. Now, now set the stage. He's locked to a centurion, right, chained to him. He's saying, cool, got somebody to witness to. Yes. (laughs) I'm in prison. That's okay. They ain't took Jesus from me. Somebody say amen. 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 Furthermore, my brothers and sisters are getting encouragement to share the Lord. Yes. And so somebody comes along and says, well, what about them guys who's, who, who are against you? Paul says, oh, yeah, those guys. I mean, look, look at it, verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. He says, so there's a lot of other gospel ministers who aren't in prison. Okay. One crowd does it out of love, knowing that that same thing led me right here. They're sharing the gospel out of love, and it led me right here to prison. Some are doing it for that reason. And some are doing it simply because they see an opportunity to go against me and promote themselves. See that? So there's a myriad of people who are filling the gap that Paul's imprisonment has created. You see that? And look at what he says. If you'll allow me to put it in the Timbo's translation, the TVP, the Timbo's paraphrase. He says, awesome. long as they're preaching Jesus, I'm happy for them. Why? Because his goal was advancing the gospel. Amen. So even if one person is emulating him and doing it out of love and, and, and they're sharing the gospel in truth, Paul says, awesome. And if someone's doing it against him, but they're in the process of being against Paul before Jesus, Awesome. This past week, well, just a couple of days ago, Friday, I was over in Halifax County and I was trying to trying to move My Life Matters that way and, and uh, we're, we're going to open up, well, Lord willing, you know what I mean? Lord willing, we're going to open up a camp and retreat center over in Halifax County. We're working toward the purchase of the property. So I'm going around talking to various people, doing paperwork, filling out inspections, papers, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, I'm honestly trying to meet and engage with some new donors. I was over there all day long and Three or four times people come up to me and they said things like, what about young life? You know, in other words, was I in competition with young life? I said, oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Young life is for Jesus. Timbo's is for Jesus. My life matters is for Jesus. Somebody else says, well, they have this ministry called Teens for Christ. Awesome. I can't wait to meet them. Right? I'm not in competition with anybody who's sharing the gospel. Amen. I'm not in competition with another church. I'm not in competition with another minister. I'm not in competition with another ministry. When you really want your community and you want your kin folks and you want your family, you want your people, you want your workplace. If you want lost people to hear about Jesus and you want saved people to grow in Jesus, then your goal should be for them to get Jesus even if you're not the one giving it to them. Amen. Amen. And Paul says, I'm locked to a centurion who I get to witness to. Nobody has taken Jesus from me. This terrible circumstance for me is encouraging y'all. What about my rivals? The ones who are sharing the truth of Jesus, God bless them. Isn't that a radical change? The ones who are, now, all right, let's see who will be honest. Somebody going to lie. Who likes Carolina? UNC Tar Heels. Who likes it? All right. Who likes Duke? All right, who likes steak? Man, he was so proud, Jonathan. He's like... Yeah. One of my daughter's short choices. Maybe you should talk to her. Yeah. All right, check it out. I'm that guy. This is a silly illustration, but I'm that guy that whenever, like, the NCAA tournament, by the way, my team won. <clears throat> whenever the... <laughs> oh, all of y'all... <laughs> Whenever ACC is in this tournament, right, this is what I understand. Every time their game gets on TV, every time one of them makes them into the tournament, every time they win, it's more money to the whole thing. It's more money to the whole. And that money goes toward all the dumb stuff that it shouldn't go to, like getting more money for more athletes and more programs, right? I get that. So I root for these teams. I'm like, win, win, win. Just win, right? You run into a Duke fan. They couldn't pull for Carolina if Carolina was going to get them into heaven. You run into a Carolina fan, they couldn't pull for Duke if Duke was going to get them into heaven. Do you see the illustration? Sometimes we get so twisted up in our personal agendas, we can't even celebrate somebody that's doing the same thing as us. The greater good for person counting would be for every church to flourish. For every church to have a solid Bible teaching pastor, for every church to have a wonderful prayer ministry, for every church to have an outstanding VBS, for every church's Sunday school to be filled with godly teachers, for every church to serve the needs of those in grief and facing the challenges of life such as divorce and job loss and aging. What would be great is if we had a flourishing and you want joy, you start looking toward the people who are doing stuff for Jesus. And stop looking at them as competitors and start looking at them as partners. Amen. I almost hyperventilated right there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've heard it all that my life matters. I've heard people say, well, you know, young life's going to come to town. Awesome. I'll give my office for a while until they get on their feet. Child evangelism fellowships coming to Roxburgh. Great. Great. I'll give them my office. So-and-so is coming down. Well, they stopped sharing the gospel about 30 years ago, but if they'll come to Roxburgh and share the gospel, I'll be right behind them. Right? It is a great, what if my life matters? What if all these people come down to town and we go out of business? As long as we are sharing Jesus, I don't care. My joy is in Jesus. It's not in my stat sheet. Lastly, I don't think we'll understand this until we understand this life was given to us by a king who won by losing. Sometimes you need to remember that. This life was given to us by a king who won by losing. It's easy to think that all of this was long ago and far away but it's still going on right now. The same Jesus who stooped to conquer, who descended the Heaven's Heights to the cross, the same Jesus who went to that lowest shame in the grave is the same Jesus who rose again to supreme glory. Who still lives and rules today at God's right hand? It is this great King who gave the Apostle Paul life. It's this great King who gives Timbo's life, and if you have life, it comes from this same great King. And it is this great King who paid the debt of sin, defeated the death of enemy. Excuse me, defeated the enemy of death. Is this great king who desires that his people make his presence known so that they might meet this great king? Is this still possible? It is possible as long as this king lives in church. He yet liveth today. Amen. Amen. I think a lot of times when our when our flames are burning low, we need to just come back to the source of the fire. Simplify. You know, you're spending too much time on your phone, your iPad, your computer. Throw them away. But I need it for work. Leave it at work. Smart Alec. Watch too much TV. Cut the cord, man. Throw the thing in the garbage. All right? There's so many ways to simplify. Say, you, some, I'm not going to pick on anybody. Okay, I'm not. Some, some people got a vacation home and and, and, and they've lost the, the the fervor for it. But, you know, you say, well, we, you know, we got the thing. We got to go down there. And sell it. You find, whether it's an attitude or action or, or, or something you own, you find what is hindering you from pursuing the mission of this king and you kill it. Because your joy is only going to be found in Jesus. Your purpose and power are only going to be found as you advance the gospel. In church, we're not, we're not going to sing these gospel songs with great fervor until we're living this gospel life with great fervor. Amen. I heard somebody say recently, How can you get the church to sing? I said, Oh, it's easy. Play songs about stuff they love. Stand up here in the pulpit and sing about summertime. Everybody will sing. Sing about the concert of everybody's favorite musician. We'll light a lighter and sing along, sway. Find something they enjoy sentimentally together. And it was a young person, younger man, he says, wait a minute, you're saying sing secular songs. I said, oh, you asked me how to get them to sing. What you really want to know is how to get them to sing about Jesus. Hmm. Exalt him. You love him. You be found loving him and that love will be contagious. I'm asking you if you will begin to look at your neighbor and say, can my love be contagious to their love for Jesus? And what you may have to do is go back to the flame and let your love for Jesus burn hot in a fresh way. I love Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7 and 8. I quoted it last week. I'm going to quote it again this week. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for his leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease fruit, cease to bear fruit. The person who is rooted in eternal Jesus, who is unchanging, who remains the same today, tomorrow, and forever, that person who's rooted in Jesus, when the seasons change, that person's roots stay in the same soil. I, I you know, here's a moment. Here's a moment of transparency, okay? It's it's sort of a relief to know I won't be here forever. I mean like here at Theresa. Um Yeah, you, know, you know why it's a relief? I just say whatever I want to. I'm I'm, I'm out the door one way to, I don't gotta worry about getting fired. You know. Really? You don't know what a relief that is. Like, hey, 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 I didn't like what you said. Well, hang on, I'll be gone. You can get somebody you like. But if I'm here long enough, we're going we're to follow suit with, with Southern Baptist Church all, all, all over the United States. We're, we're following this Who's Your One campaign. Who's Your One? And if I'm here through the summer, I'll, I'll be finished with Philippians, and we're going we're to jump on that with both feet. I'm going to start mentioning it now. I want to challenge you to begin saying, Who's that one person? Who's that one person I can share the Lord with? And as you think about it, start saying, do they already see Jesus in me? Do they already? So, so if I start sharing with them, am I sharing something they already see? Or am I just going to give them information about a person who they haven't seen in me? I want to challenge you this morning. Believers, who's your one? Who's somebody your burden? Think about somebody in your life that if they, that if they left this body right now, you're concerned that they might not stand before the Lord justified in Christ Jesus. I'm asking you, who's that lost person that you're concerned about? I'll even challenge you this morning to pray for him. Maybe you can't get out on your knees, but if you can, I challenge you. You know why? I challenge you to get on your knees because the spirit follows the body. In other words, if you will humble your body, you will humble your soul. Who's that person? Could you start thinking about who is that person? Second challenge to Christians. Second challenge. Do they see Jesus in you? What's impeding that? Have you got a bad attitude? Are you focused on the wrong stuff? Third challenge to Christians in the room. Third challenge. Do you have joy? Are you enjoying the Lord? He wants you to have joy in the midst of your circumstance. He wants you to release the competitiveness of this American society and embrace the joy and contentment of being his son or daughter. And then finally, maybe you haven't met this Jesus today. I'm going to tell you, I was a drunk A drug abuser, abuser, a violent man. I was funny, but I won't joyful. I've always been funny. I'm funny to look at. I'm funny to listen to. But I didn't have any peace. I seethed with anger 24-7. It was like a pot that was boiling, like you put a wooden spoon on it. It would boil, and all you had to do for it to boil over was take that spoon off. And I'm going to tell you right now, man, there's nothing better than Jesus. Jesus is my drink. Jesus is my dope. I don't need that stuff anymore. Amen. 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 Jesus is my peace. It's not that I don't get angry. I'm not characterized by anger. Amen. Amen. Jesus, I I can only give you my testimony. Jesus has changed me. But it wasn't knowing about Jesus. I I don't remember not knowing about Jesus. It was knowing Jesus. And that only come through surrender. Do you know him today? Now, the Bible says if you believe on his name and receive him, that means you, you, you believe on all that he represents and all that he did, and you let him be Lord, you will be saved. That's, that's John 1, 12. Romans 9 and 10 says if you believe in your heart and confess with what, church? Your mouth. your mouth. You will be saved. Maybe you've done that. Maybe you've never made it public. Maybe this is your morning to do that. Maybe, maybe you've never obediently followed him into baptism. Maybe, maybe it's time for that. So my challenges to Christians are clear. My challenges to those who who don't know Jesus, it's clear. Now this time of invitation isn't just trying to figure out how many verses before I tell Fran to stop playing. It's listening and saying, if God's speaking to me, will I respond to him? Father, as we sing together, do what only you can do. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus I pray, amen. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.